And good evening. Welcome into the last regular season edition of Gateway to Baseball Happen. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff. C70 the Bad at C70 on Twitter with me as always, Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black at Tara Wellman on the Twitters. Cardinals get gypped out of two innings today, Tara. This is just, I mean, okay, we can't even pretend to be upset. But, you know, Cardinals have a kind of a lackluster weekend, but who cares? They're in their, they're going to get another game to play this week. Yeah, it's hard to get too worked up about this final series. I know, you know, you can look at it as, well, it's a rivalry series. It's the Cubs. It's whatever. The last, you know, home games confirmed of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And I will admit, I was a little more annoyed while the Cardinals were in the process of losing Friday night's game just because they once again came back and I felt like they should have won it and then at the end didn't. Uh, and I was more annoyed than I had reason to be because it didn't matter <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, you know, I think I just so quickly got so used to them winning that I was like, right. what is happening? I don't like it. <laughs> um, no, but you're right. It's hard for me to be particularly upset about the last two games, although, you know, that's not necessarily the case for all Cardinals fans, especially, you know, if you really just feel that they're entirely capable of winning 162 games in a season, then, you know, the loss is really a little extra, a little extra uh, difficult to uh, to handle there. But look, in the grand scheme of things, did they put the most competitive rosters out there in the last series? Probably not. Not every day. Did they... Uh, were they willing to kind of leave a little bit more room for error than they would have in the games prior to clinching a, a postseason spot? Probably. Am I mad about it? No, <laughs> because I think as we can see from you know even Sunday's games, just getting your players healthy to whatever your postseason game is, whether it's a wild card game or you're awaiting that wild card game's conclusion for the next series, just getting there healthy is problematic enough. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not that mad that the Cardinals were not playing a game that mattered in terms of their postseason schedule today because they didn't have to play all out. They didn't have to deal with a Max Muncy injury or a Gio Urshela injury or a whatever it is. Pick a game today. There was probably an injury in one of those crazy four uh, American League games that that really did matter for who was going where tomorrow. Um, so they made it through the weekend healthy and that is a much higher priority to me in this final weekend than uh, than you know continuing to win at like a 23 out of 25 pace. <laughs> yeah, I, I think and I think maybe this year, We've talked a lot about in the in the past about how September is different this year because of the very limited expanded rosters. I think in the past, in a after that um, series this weekend would have been easier, even easier to swallow because you'd been like the Triple A guys out there, right? <laughs> but being that the Cardinals ran kind of their starting lineup, especially today out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it made it feel like more like a real quote, quote, real game than a game with no stakes on it. Yeah. And, you know, I think, as you mentioned, the roster situation is part of that because, I mean, you just don't have the options like you have had in the past. But, you know, 
we talked about this a little bit last week and we talked about it with Alex. There's, there was some feeling of, man, okay, I don't, I don't know that I want the Cardinals to win, to win out, which was not going to happen, but you know, just the, the thought process of, okay, I want, I want them to not carry the pressure of a winning streak into a wild card game. But, you know, I also don't want to mess with the mojo too much. And guys who are going well, you don't want to give them too much time off mm. where, where they're not taking the regular swings like they have been or, or seeing that, you know, so it, there, there's a little bit of a balancing act there, even though the result of the game didn't mean anything, the individual work that was able to be done probably did in terms of just keeping guys as sharp as they have been because look a one game play in I mean we all have seen how crazy that can get and um, I assume we're about to experience that one more time on Wednesday watching the Cardinals and the Dodgers and you don't want Tyler O'Neill to lose the feel that he's had the plate right you don't want somebody um, who's who's hitting well to take too much of a step back and then you know not be quite like they were, not be quite as quick or, or quite as on top of it, whatever it is. Um, obviously, I think that's different for each player and some of them will have benefited from the extra rest. Um, but the lineup being pretty normal in this last series, uh, particularly today, um, Sunday's game, not a huge surprise in light of a, maybe just a bit of a tune-up kind of mentality to get guys ready knowing they're not going to play um, until Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, I do think that, you know, if you and Alex hadn't talked about it, that they probably would have won all the rest of the games because they, <laughs> you know, until you mentioned that um, and then they go lose three out of five. So I hope, I hope you like, no, there is, there is something to do that though. I mean, you're right uh, to, to, to taste a little normalcy before you get into this, this thing. And, and if you're superstitious, not using up all your, your bullets um, <laughs> before you get into a game with Max Scherzer uh, is not a bad thing. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, difficult to take this too seriously, even if you, you kind of want to, Um Today was, of course, the end of the regular season, and it was the end for a couple of Cardinals as well. I mean, probably more. I mean, there's going to be people that we think are coming back next year that aren't or something of that nature. But um, it was the last day in the booth for Mike Shannon um, mm -hmm. after 50 years. Um, and it was the last day for Matt Carpenter after 10 years uh, as a Cardinal. Let's talk Shannon first. Um, Shannon had a very nice ceremony that I wasn't able to see on TV because my TV wanted to show volleyball instead. But um, the, the highlights and clips seemed like it was uh, really nice. And it was obviously so emotional. I mean, I don't remember the last time I have seen somebody honored in that way that they couldn't even get out of sentence, you know? Um, yeah. And then stop. Usually, I mean, sometimes they can stop, they compose themselves, they do something. Shannon had nothing. Um, and, and I'm glad they didn't, you know, force him to try to keep going. <laughs> but um, all that said, it, it, it's, it's great. It's also time. I think you and I have talked about how COVID especially seemed to have, the, the case of COVID that he had seems to have sapped almost all the energy that Shannon had left in him. Um, and I don't feel like 
unlike if Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright had walked away this year, we would might be feeling like they still had something in the tank. I don't think we're that way with Mike Shannon. No, and look, I'll be honest. His game calling has not been great the last few years. I know people enjoy him for different reasons, and my experience listening to him on the radio is a, a pretty short window in the time frame of 50 years of Mike Shannon on, on the radio calling Cardinals games. Uh, most of that for me is later in those years where yeah, the, the the actual game calling s- slips a little in and out of the stories, but the stories mm-hmm. are delightful. And his he's just a quirky baseball guy that, you know, has a story about everything, has an opinion about everything, is sometimes a little distracted from the actual game that's happening in order to tell a story effectively or to recall some memory um, that kind of brings you back into his world. And it's, you're right. It was time because listening to him on the radio, you could tell it just wasn't, it wasn't there. It wasn't quick enough. It wasn't clear enough all the time. And it felt like a struggle for him, not just, you know, a struggle listening to try to figure out what's actually happening on the field. Um, but it's still there's something really endearing about the way that he could bring you into that moment. I mean, there are times where he's so annoyed with the baseball that's being played that you feel like he's the most genuine of the announcers the Cardinals have because you're like, man, he's just calling it like it is. Like earlier this season when he just said, they're just not good. <laughs> They're just not very good. Uh, no one else was really saying that. So Mike Shannon would bring that to the table. Um, he also just had this very kind of old school radio storytelling ability that I I know I always re- really appreciated. Not everyone did. It wasn't everyone's cup of tea. But um, to have that career, to spend 50 years, 50 seasons in the booth calling Cardinals. I mean, it's just, it, it blows my mind that, that that is, you know, the entirety of the radio career, not even mm-hmm. including his, his baseball career. So the emotion had to be coming from so many places today, the being in front of the fans and having that experience being honored in that way, which I'm sure for anyone would be overwhelming, but also just, you know, a lifetime, a lifetime of memories of every season getting up and going to do baseball in mm-hmm. some form or another and walking away from that, even when it is time, I can only imagine the, uh, like I said, the lifetime of memories and of emotions associated with that. And, um, you know, I, I have to imagine he'll be able to be around as much as he wants to be oh, yeah. <laughs> involved as much as he wants to be. Um, but it's not going to be the same for him. It's not going to be the same uh, for the radio booth and everyone who sort of knows how Mike Shannon does things. And uh, the the new chapter will certainly be a lot different than the one that he's written all these years. So I think he'll be missed, even though um, those of us who've listened to him more and more in the last few years will will likely have a better understanding of the games as they're played. Um, you know, with with a couple of other voices uh, who are maybe less invested in the stories from their past and more interested in, um, you know, play by play. Well, I mean, he's going to probably be replaced by Ricky Horton, so I don't know if that's you know 
<laughs> who I will say stop. is is better on the radio than on television. So I, I'll take it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Ricky has more. I, I tweeted something out about Ricky uh, about two two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I was really surprised at the the Rick Horton fan club that is out there for him, um, either on radio or on TV. I Ricky's fine. But I I don't. I will say. I don't particularly enjoy listening to him call games. I have Mm -hmm. decided, though, that he's much better on play-by-play than as an analyst. Because when he's the Mm -hmm. analyst, seems to be when he makes the more bizarre comments where you're just like, "Ah, what? Just stop talking. (laughs) When he's just calling the game, he he calls the game fine. Um, Sometimes there's a little extra excitement and intensity that it's like, did that really need that? That, well, you know, and I we also just won think, the World Series kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know. Um, which, let's be honest, sometimes Dan McLaughlin gets that too as <laughs> yes. well. Um, as great as Dan is, uh, he occasionally, I, I've been amazed at how much oomph he puts onto Bally sports. I mean, like, wow, okay, that's important. Um, but I also don't think you're going to see Rick Horton say, these guys aren't playing very good, you know? No, I mean, that's no. that's not what Ricky does. That's going to have um, to come from somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, and will be interesting. But, you know, and, and it kind of goes back to, you know, not, we've talked about this, we talked about it earlier in the year when things were going um, not well, that they have a tendency not to look on from the outside for anything. Right. right. Um, and that just kind of goes with it. But it, it'll be fine, you know? Um, KMOX has been there for years. It's still going to be there no matter who's doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Shannon can be They put Shannon's name on the booth. You know, I don't right. think they can keep him out of it. No, no one can keep him out. <laughs> no, I think that's kind of kind of the deal. Um, again, the other side of that is Matt Carpenter. Wait, oh. before we move on from Mike Shannon. Yes. Yes. Can we talk about the fact that he tried to like start the biggest rumor of all time on his way out the door? Yeah, we probably should talk about the whole <laughs> word on the street is the DeWitts are selling. Oh, then, they could <laughs> not they could not counter that any faster. <laughs> no. No, and it, I mean I'm be very fast. And, and it was interesting that Shannon came around and said, "Well, it's a rumor, and I said it was a rumor. I guess <laughs> word on the street kind of is a rumor thing, but I, I mean, I don't. I'd, I'd really be interested to know where he got that idea. Well, I was gonna say he didn't. He didn't say it. No, I just made it up. He didn't say mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I was mistaken. I apologize." He just said, "No, I, it's a rumor. I, I know they're not gonna confirm it because it's a rumor." <laughs> <laughs> Which definitely makes me way more curious about what conversations Mike Shannon is having that led him to that idea. Yeah. I mean, even at the time he was saying how much, how great the DeWitts have been as owners. So it's not like it was a bad blood thing, which they had for a while there with, with the whole ballpark village and Mm -hmm. Shannon's restaurant and all that kind of stuff. There was, there were times where that, that relationship was a little bit strained. So it didn't really feel like he was just like, hey, we're going to burn some bridges while we're going because I don't have to be around here anymore. Um, so I do think he talked to somebody. I do think he got some indication. Maybe John Rooney said, um, hey, you know what they say on Twitter? You know, and, and Mike then somewhat took that as fact. I, I don't know. Um, but the DeWitt selling this team doesn't 
make a whole lot of sense to me in any kind of way right now. No, it doesn't unless they're just tired of trying to figure out how to balance tired of making, making money? money and, um, you know, pleasing a fan base that's very difficult to please. I don't know. I, I, you know, if they were just at some point like uh, kind of bored of this. <laughs> But I, I can't imagine that happening either, especially not with as much as is still in the works as far as, you know, phases of Ballpark Village and, and all those things. And they've put way too much into it to just kind of walk away from it halfway. And yeah, uh, yeah I can't imagine that that's that that's a, a real thing that's on the table, though. I, I wouldn't put it beyond someone to say, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they just sell the team. And then that turns into word on the street yeah. i guess it could be uh, that, yeah. that's that feels like the, the most likely way that that happened yeah um because yeah i mean besides the fact that the cardinals continue to bring in them plenty of money mm-hmm. um you know the dewitts are not getting poorer <laughs> by all this i wouldn't think um, so no no um but um you know again there's a lot they are they're developing ballparks they just got to this whole thing that they've been working for for yeah 10 15 years now and it's like plus the you know the debt on it i don't know the cardinals are valued at quite a bit i don't know if they could find somebody that would come in and buy them for what it's their worth right. um and it's always felt like the dewitts planned this to be a you know bill dewitt the third has been involved with this team for a long, long time and it really feels like the idea will be that at some point in time you know the ownership face of the ownership group goes from junior to the third. Right. Um, and this is just kind of a, not a fair play, family heirloom, but it's something yeah. close to that. Right. <laughs> so, but yes, that was a, that was a fun thing. Yeah. Um, even had to talk about it at the Adam Wainwright price conference, which we probably should talk about <laughs> at some point in time too, but yeah. we'll get to that. Um, Matt Carpenter. Um, obviously since the end of 2018, um, has not been the same as he was just <laughs> just a few weeks before that when he was mm-hmm. lighting the world on fire. Um, has gone from the top of the world to the whipping boy pretty quickly um, over the last few years. But, you know, as this final game came along, it feels like people actually took a little bit of time and you know, kind of appreciated what Matt Carpenter had brought. I was really surprised that it started him definitely today mm-hmm. and, and maybe more this, this last series, yeah. just to give people a chance to appreciate what Carpenter brought to this team. Yeah. And, you know, again, maybe that's because they really were trying to win these games. Maybe it's because they felt like mm-hmm. they needed guys to stay sharp. Uh, maybe it's because they didn't want uh, anyone to go the opposite direction and boo if Matt Carpenter started yeah. the game. I can't imagine that happening with you know, the fact that they're riding this high, uh, sort of collectively Cardinals, Cardinals Nation riding the the high of the win streak and playoff clinch and all those things. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, who knows? People are weird. Um, but, yeah, it was good to see. It was nice to see a, a, from everything I saw, a, a primarily positive reaction to Matt Carpenter and look he came up in an op- a situation today where he could have been the difference maker in the game and it that to me was a little hard to to see just in the sense of man he's exactly who I would have wanted in that spot with two runners on and two outs down a run 
in the last game of the season, a regular season um, at home, right? Just a couple of years ago, he would have been that guy. Um, and even a, a high fly ball, it barely makes it to the warning track now. So mm-hmm. whatever the situation is, it's been hard to watch him uh, this season, but it's been nice to look. I think part of the angst about Matt Carpenter is the same scenario and the same situation in which you know, a lot of people felt so negatively about, you know, other other sort of scuffling players, even in the Mike Matheny era, right? Because they played so much, even when they were still so bad, <laughs> they were they, mm-hmm. they were not playing well and they continued to get run out there over and over and over again when there were other more viable options on the roster. So for a long time, I think some of the angst about Matt Carpenter this season has been great. Mike Schultz is just going to keep putting him out there. He's going to keep putting him out there. He's going to start over guys that he has no business starting over, or he's going to, you know, whatever it is. Um, And when that sort of stopped happening, I think a lot of the frustration sort of went away. Um, Not in the sense of, well, now everybody loves Matt Carpenter again, but in the sense of, okay, we all know that Matt Carpenter is kind of a shell of what he was a few years ago for whatever reason. And, you know, at least we don't have to fight the discrepancies between who he was and who he is every time he comes to the plate in a really significant moment in a game. Um, Also, I think there was just some general apathy because the Cardinals were bad most of the year, but uh, nonetheless, to see him removed from the situation where Cardinals fans felt like he was getting opportunities he didn't deserve and that there were other guys who could have better suited the opportunities he was getting, um, I think allowed everyone to just kind of calm down a little bit. And and then in this last opportunity to see Matt Carpenter there, realize, wow, he's been a part of some really incredible moments. He's had overall a really incredible career in St. Louis and it's sad that this is how it ends for him in St. Louis uh, as a player, but there's a lot to look back on and be very positive about and to, you know, be grateful for as Cardinals fans to have seen some of the incredible things that Matt Carpenter has done for this team. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I'm looking at some of his numbers from this year and they're not good. Um, But if you were to guess, how many starts did Matt Carpenter have this oh, year? Oh gosh, he. I'll, I'll give you. I'll tell you. He played in 129 games. So how many okay. times did he start? Uh, like fifty? Probably not even forty-five, forty. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna just keep going lower until I yeah, get. Yeah, you were actually right in that ballpark though. It's 44. Okay. Okay. 44. 44 times this year. Eleven in the second half. Okay. So yeah, that that you, makes sense yeah. in my brain. <laughs> yeah, I think it does. I don't think, but you're right. I mean, that's the kind of that thing, you know. You're right. We, you know, there was there were some people even talking about, man, they're gonna play Carpenter enough that he's gonna best that option for 2023. Mm-hmm. No, he, you know, he didn't get anywhere close to it. Um, Carpenter hit basically 100 in the second half. Um, Ironically, though, his last three hits as a Cardinal, assume, you know, in the regular season, because he, you know, as we as we give him this eulogy, he'll probably like, you know, <laughs> hit, you know, 600 with three right. doubles and five homers in the in the postseason. Yeah. But his last three hits were doubles, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of appropriate. The problem was they were August 7th 
September 18th and September 20th. Um, <laughs> those, those are long times. And, you know, it is ironic. You know, we've, we had this discussion, what, a few weeks ago. Have we seen la- the last Matt Carpenter hit? And he had a couple more after that. But that was prompted by GIFs saying, have we seen the last Matt Carpenter home run? And we had. Yeah. That was that was the crazy thing. I mean, those two days back to back in April when he hit those pinch hit home runs and we thought, hey, you know, maybe there's something here. And that was it. I, it it's sad because we haven't really seen a player just fall off the table like Matt Carpenter has. I don't think we're used to players getting a little bit worse. We've seen what Yachty or Molina does, right? I mean, we, nobody expects him to hit 20 home runs or, or anything like that. And he's going to get his big hits, but he's still going to be like below league average. And, you know, he's kind of somewhat gradually tapered off, but to go from, you know, MVP level, to not even hitting, you know, a hundred in the last month of your career. Well, and I say that he wants to play some more next year. I don't see how that happens, but no, but what, um, you know, that kind of, that kind of drop is, is so hard to, it's, I mean, it's hard for us as fans. I can't imagine what it's like as a player to have to go through that thinking. I am better than this. What happened? Yeah. Well, and, and to go multiple seasons being told, Hey, look, you're not doing anything wrong. You're just unlucky. Mm-hmm. And then for that still not to make any difference. Um, you know, I don't know that there's any player in baseball that thinks he's affected more by the shift than Matt Carpenter does. And right. whether that holds up or not, you know, I don't know that that should have ever been a reason to eliminate his skill set altogether. Right. So you're right. It's hard to watch. It's sad. It's uh, frustrating. And you have to wonder what look Matt Carpenter was never the guy and he said this in multiple uh, situations he was never the most talented but he was mm-hmm. the guy that was going to work really hard and prove to you that he could do it I remember before he was an all-star and the Cardinals were going to move him to second base a lot of people said oh he can never be a second baseman he can never be a second baseman you know I happened to be in the camp that had seen him at multiple levels and thought okay this is a guy that's going to like give him a task and he's going to complete it mm-hmm. so he might not be a gold glover at second base but he's gonna figure it out and he did and he ended up being an all-star that year and that was kind of the beginning of the the prime years of of matt carpenter but he moved around to every position they asked him to be in and some were more effective than others but i think what's most frustrating to me watching the last couple of years is that this is a guy that has always been able to work himself out of it You know, he's Mm -hmm. always been able to figure out how to get it done and how to accomplish whatever the goal was. And in this case, he just whether, you know, his body changed just enough or if there was the game changed just enough. I don't know. I don't know what it was that made the last few years the the first time in his professional career that he wasn't able to just work hard enough to get past it um you know there was there were times years ago where he he was working too hard probably because he was in that same frame of mind thinking no no no, i've always been able to just work hard enough to get past it and he never really could um so you know seeing those those doubles is nice seeing a handful of 
fly balls to the warning track in the last week, not Ooh. not so great. And you know that was home run power a couple of years ago, and yeah. I don't know what happened to it. So good luck to him if he's trying to play next year. But there's obviously something that just isn't there anymore, or that he hasn't been able to tap back into. Um, that's going to make that really hard for him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, part of me does get a little bit concerned that if there wasn't a big deal made out of Matt Carpenter's finale. And, and part of me is worried that they're going to give him that minor league contract, you know, and, mm-hmm. and see if he can come back. And, and, you know, and I say that it worries me. If they would give him a minor league contract for next year, right. the invite to spring training, and say with if it was legitimate, not a okay, we're going to do this, but you're going to make the team, but a legitimate right. here, you can try to work your way on. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that we could complain about that too much. But you know, if Matt Carpenter looks like the Matt Carpenter we've seen over the last two years and makes this team next year, then that's a different story, and yeah. torches get lit. Um, if he does what Adam Wainwright has done. And discover the fountain of youth or just right. like remember how to play baseball. <laughs> uh, then sure, everyone would love to see uh, another year of that out of Matt Carpenter. But I don't know that everyone can do what Matt or what Adam Wainwright has done, you know, in in the last couple of years being healthy enough to reestablish what it is that he's done so well for so long. Let's see, people. This is a professional here. I want you to notice because she's just <laughs> setting up the segue just so smoothly that she she's like she does this for a living. So Adam Wainwright this week signs a contract for next year, which again, financial terms were not disclosed, which is pretty standard. I was surprised to see that at least the rumor is it's 15 or $16 million for next year, which not that he's not worth that. Um, just that it's a lot, a little bit more than what we've seen over the last couple of years, right? He's been pitching right. for around 10 million. So we kind of thought, Yachty got about the same amount, he'll, you know, to give him a little bit more. But it was um, not necessarily a drama. We expected all this. But it's good to see Adam Wainwright, you know, locked up. And and, and it's one of those things, like, we don't have to go through like we did last year with, are, is Yachty and Adam, are Yachty and Adam coming back? Are they going somewhere else? Are they going to retire? What are we going to do? When are they going to sign them? This done and... Hopefully it's not the whole off season right there, but um, it's still kind of nice to have this kind of out of the way for both those guys. Yeah, totally. I think as soon as I called a press conference, I was like, oh, it's probably an Adam Wainwright thing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it made sense. We knew that they both wanted to get something done. It had been brought up a couple of times in interviews in the, the week leading up to that. And I was going to say the same thing that you did. It's nice to just have it done and to not have mm-hmm. to wonder to not have to feel like there's this strange lack of (laughs) lack of communication (laughs) not that we've seen that anywhere before no no but to not have to wonder what's going on there and you know i'm sure it's great for melina and wainwright themselves to not have to wonder what's going on they know how to plan for their off season especially with melina's family not with him in st louis this season i believe i i believe his family went uh home and and stayed there this year to work with uh 
projects he's got going on there. And so now, you know, he knows he can be there. He can stay with his family as long as that makes sense and, and make his plans. And, you know, we know the family guy that Adam Wainwright is as well, plus all of the charity work that he's got going on. So they can mm-hmm. kind of just like right off into the po- the the off season rather whenever the postseason ends and not have to think about it, not have to worry about missing a call, not have to worry about (laughs) trying to field calls from other teams or any of that. So it's probably uh, the best case scenario for, uh, for all of us for that to be taken care of before we even get to the end of this season. Yeah. And and, and, uh, Wayne, you know, Yachty has said, and I feel like we can kind of take him at face value that it's his last year. Mm -hmm. Um. Wainwright basically said that he didn't say it in enough finality that you can necessarily plan out the, the farewell tour, um, which is almost a little bit sad, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, as much as if you had him Wainwright pitch like he did this year, I'd love to have him back, but I also feel like the pool of family is getting to him as well. I would love to see both of those guys get that farewell tour throughout the league and, you know, and see, because they've made such an impact. Now, obviously, they've made a huge impact on Cardinal history, but they've made an impact on the game as a whole. I mean, Adam Wainwright has big league impact. I mean, that is his charity that he set up, <laughs> and it is major leaguers all over. I mean, they've, they've got these things, these charities working in almost every clubhouse, it feels like. Um, that kind of impact you know, I think you should, you know, should get recognized. Um, you know, that being said, if it keeps Adam Wainwright, you know, with the Cardinals for even longer, then so be <laughs> it. You know, I, it, and is that going to be the interesting thing though? I mean, what if Bueno decides he wants to pitch for 2023? Are we going to be like upset that he and Wayati don't go out at the same time? I have a strong suspicion that by the time we get to next season, Adam Wainwright will know what he's doing. I think he's the type that doesn't want to give anything away until he's actually sure of it. And at this point, he's probably having so much fun that he's like, I'm going to play forever. Uh, (laughs) But also his kids want a dog. So I think the dog's going to win at some point (laughs) in the very near future. No, I think it would be strange if Adam Wainwright ended up, you know, not bowing out after next season when Yachty does. I mean, I mm-hmm. I think we would probably all have lost the bet that said uh, Adam Wainwright outlasted Yachty or Molina as a St. Louis Cardinal, <laughs> um, just because we've always assumed Yachty was going to play forever. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you know the the farewell tour thing. It's going to get to a point where uh, you know at some point in the season, if it's Adam and Yachty together. <laughs> People are going to really hate the Cardinals after all of the fanfare, <laughs> as if they didn't already. But yeah. I, I, there seems to be no better way for that to happen for the two of them. And I think they've talked about it in those terms as well. They, you know, when Yachty signed, one of the first things was, you know, he's trying to talk Adam Wainwright into to signing for another year as well. So I think they're probably... <sighs> I, I don't know. I don't know what it is that's keeping Wayno from saying, yep, this is it. Other than just that competitive nature that he is always going to want to be around the game. Um, but I, I would not be surprised if there was a bit more finality to it by the time next season rolls around. We have spoken a lot tonight about finality, about endings, but 
the Cardinal season isn't over. <laughs> We've got a wild card game to talk about. Um, it's so difficult. It feels like to me, and I, I think it's kind of the consensus to really talk much about a game like this, because you know, you could talk all you like about Scherzer and Wainwright, but if one of those guys lets up four in the first, the game is possibly over, you know, and all the words that you've spoken about this game just go out the window. Um, I don't think we're going to see some sort of eight, seven slugfest or anything like that. We'll see. That being said, Cardinals go to Los Angeles and this was the, I know you and Alex talked about it. Alan and I have talked about it. I think a lot of people, this is kind of the scenario the Cardinals wanted not to have to face that rotation of the Dodgers in a long series, take your shot with the best one. And if you can beat that to go to a Giants team that you won both the season series against and as good as they are, I can't believe what 107 wins this year. That's, that's yeah. insane. Uh, as good as they are, you still feel more comfortable taking them on in a five game series. Even the fact that they always seem to ruin the Cardinals postseason yeah. um, than to face the Dodgers. So this is, and then I mean, you get past those two and then it's what Milwaukee or Atlanta, which you feel pretty good about. So, you know, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step and this is a pretty big step. Yeah. I do feel like this is the best way for the Cardinals to match up against the, the potential opponents. Um, on the NL side of the the postseason bracket, but that doesn't mean that a wild card game where the most bizarre of things can happen against the Dodgers in LA is going to be a walk in the park. I mean, you know, this team won 17 in a row, sure, but they weren't playing teams quite the ilk of the Dodgers in the no. the duration of that span. Of course, um, they did play the Dodgers right before that. Right, right. And they, they split that series, right? right? Right. So, you know, they're certainly capable, but this is this whole one game thing one is game. such a such an anomaly in baseball, which just means that anything can happen. And, you know, it's hard, you're right, to even talk about it um, because strategy isn't the same as if you're talking right. about a series. Um, you know, how you manage this game is different than you manage anything else. I think it's fair to say that Mike Schultz is going to have to probably be more aggressive than he's comfortable with under normal circumstances. And the, the one thing that does worry me about this game is that <laughs> Mike Schultz is going to believe a thousand percent in Adam Wainwright, Ooh. even if he does give up four runs in the first inning. So if there's a flaw in the game plan for the wild card game that Adam Wainwright is starting it's that there's there's almost too much trust in the sense that there's not going to be a quick hook on Adam Wainwright I wouldn't imagine if there is it would be quite the departure from what we've seen from Mike Schultz in the past and you know you almost have to in a game like that I think say okay look this is our guy I fully believe that he's capable of you know pitching a shutout in this game but also, if we don't win this game, we don't move on. So, you know, check the egos at the door, check the reputations at the door and say, you know, this isn't about loyalty. This isn't about you know anything else. It's just, hey, we got to win this game. So if you're not the guy, then you're not the guy and we'll we'll do something different. Now, do I anticipate that happening? No, but I think what we've all seen in the last number of years since the addition of this second wild card is that you can't expect anything <laughs> in a wild card game. It's 
utter chaos most of the time in the way that things play out. So Max Scherzer against Adam Wainwright is a great game on paper. And, you know, the Dodgers and the Cardinals have a lot of postseason history. Um, There's a lot of reason to believe that the Cardinals are capable of winning this game. I think the five months prior to September of the season give me a lot of anxiety about the Cardinals being able to win sure. that game. But it's you know, we've seen crazy things happen in these one-game scenarios where the most talented team doesn't win, where the team with the most momentum does, where you know it looks like a, a boring, surefire win until the seventh inning, and then all of a sudden everything explodes, and it's like you have never watched baseball before because you don't know what's happening. <laughs> so uh, it's, um, it's stressful, but at this point, I, I keep saying I feel like this is all, you know, bonus because we certainly didn't expect this a few weeks ago, and, you know, here we are. So wild things certainly to come, but I think your initial point is right. It's hard to talk about it in terms of here's what they should do. Here's what I think will happen. Here's who, who knows? You just got (laughs) to do whatever you can to walk out of that game with the win and then figure out what happened after the word, after the fact. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, honestly, the, you know, you talk about Schilt and Wainwright, the worry for me would not be that Adam Wainwright gives up, you know, four in the first and Mike Schilt's hesitant to fully, because if Adam Wainwright gives up four in the first, who else do you go to? <laughs> well, that and it's probably too late anyway. You know, I mean, yeah. if Max Scherzer is on his game, I mean, Max Scherzer can pitch the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they don't, you know, they're open. I'm not not saying that the Cardinals can't rally from that, mm-hmm. but it would be very difficult. The problem is going to be if Adam Wainwright gets to the sixth inning with 87 pitches and it's a tie game at zero and runners are on first and third with one out. Yeah. Does he take out Wainwright and go to like PJ McFarland or, you know, does he stay with Wainwright? And I think that's where, I think that's where a a loyalty decision would make the difference in the game. Right. Right. And, and I, you know, I'd like to think that we've talked about how Mike Schilt will manage aggressively at times, but yeah, will he manage aggressively with, with Adam Wainwright? And I, it's hard to know. I, 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 I'd like to give him, I give Schilt a little bit more credit than some people do, but uh, yeah. If Adam Wainwright says, I got this pitch, you know, and he doesn't, then, you know, but if he says he's got it, I don't, I don't see Schilt taking him out. So, right. um, and that's, that's difficult. Um, you know, that being said, we're going to see, it looks like with back Muncie being out of that game, um, we may see Albert Pujols starting at first base against the Cardinals <laughs> in the playoffs. Um, never thought we'd say that. Um, and that's, it's just weird. It's just weird all the way around. I mean, you know, what is, it feels like the Cardinals are always facing, you know, Clayton Kershaw in the, when they're facing the Dodgers, right. but this time it's Max Scherzer. Um, lots of new things. And hopefully, they like said, hopefully everybody stays hot. You know, Tyler, if the, if the Tyler O'Neill, Paul Goldschmidt 
Nolan Arenado thing keeps working, the Cardinals got a really good shot. Yeah, especially if you throw in sprinkle a little Harrison Bader in the mix. And yeah. Really yeah. got something to work with there. So much. Well, we will see what they will do. Car- Tara and I will be with you next week to break down whatever happened in that game and hopefully be looking at uh, whatever has happened in the uh, division series that the Cardinals are playing in. Um, but until then, for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.